0: before we go into our sermon uh, i'd like to invite elder tay and helen jasmine to the front well in our adventist church when we want to accept someone into our church membership we usually call do something called baptism you know, baptistry baptism and we go through this you know like you know baptismal whole thing and you can stand here and face the audience But um, there are certain cases where we do not do baptism, but we do something called profession of faith. First of all, um, let's say you were baptized in another denomination where they do uh, baptism by immersion, and you come into our church. Then we, instead of baptizing them again, because they're already baptized, we do something called profession of faith. Number two, uh, if we are unable to secure a letter of transfer, then we do something called profession of faith. Number three, if there's no response from the church, or if the membership, number four, membership has been lost or misplaced or withdrawn then we do something called profession of faith. All three of them, including myself, <laughs> our membership, we've been in an SDA church for how long? I, I've, been, uh, I've been baptized about 30 years ago <laughs> but my membership is not here at this church all of the, these three standing here are the same story their membership is somewhere maybe in another country somewhere we try to get the membership but it's very difficult and we decided to transfer our membership to our church through professional of faith now the church has to agree do we want these people in our church family or not <laughs> So let me ask you, church, family, would you, like to, would you like to accept these three, including myself, into our church membership? Would you raise your hand? Okay, thank you, thank you. Now, if you agree to transfer your membership, you have to raise your right hand and say, I do. Do you agree? Do you, do you, like to, do you desire... To transfer your membership from wherever church you were before to San Diego Central Seventh day Adventist Church? I do? Okay. Put your hands down. You may go back in. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay. Praise God for our church and our church family. And thank God for all the testimonies and the prayers that we, we just shared. Now I have one minute to preach. (laughs) I don't think I can honestly preach my sermon, this three-page sermon, in one minute. So you have to bear with me. I'll try to make it short, but it's going to be longer than one minute. Question. How does one person become the president of the United States? I'm asking this technical question. At what point does one person, the candidate or the president, become officially the president of the United States? When the election is won? inauguration. Inauguration. To be precise, when the person says what? The oath of the office. I'm going to show you a little video. Now, watch what happens to the president saying in the office and the placement of hands. Watch that. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute that I will faithfully execute the office of president of the united states the office of president of the united states and will to the best of my ability and will to the best of my ability preserve protect and defend preserve protect and defend the constitution of the united states the constitution of the united states so help me god so help me god Congratulations, Mr. President. Okay, we can stop the video right here. Okay, did you see where his hands were? His right hand was raised. His left hand was on the Bible. See that? So when he set that presidential oath of office and the Chief Justice of the United States helping him to do that, he became, his title changed to the President of the United States. Well, I showed you this video because my sermon is related to this. Um, I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, and it says this. Then I, saw the right, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or open or even look inside it. I wept and wept, John, wept and wept, because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, you've probably read this many times, but what does this really mean? We need to understand the history, the background of Israel a little bit to understand what this really means. Israelites wanted a king. The other nations around them had kings, but Israelite Israel didn't have a king. Who was their king? God was their king. But they said, you know what? we don't see god we want somebody that we can brag about that we can see we want a a person a king so god said okay you can have a king and god used samuel to tell them what to do to make a king and and follow me to deuteronomy 17 18 through 20 this is the the instruction that god gives to samuel to to establish the kingship of israel it says When he takes the king, takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the priests who are Levites. It is to be written, it is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and the decrees. So, when he becomes a king, the instruction says he is to make a what? A copy of the law in a scroll. And he is to read it, learn it, and keep everything that's written in the law all the days of his life, as long as he's king. So, that's what happens, okay? So, um, and this law if you studied, is part of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is this, this law, the scroll. So it's not the main scroll, it is the copy that belongs to the king. Now did the kings of Israel, were they very obedient? Were they faithful to God? Many of them were not. And there is one explicit example who followed through this example and had the scroll next to him and read it and kept it. Who is that king? King Joash. King, this king, No, is it Joash? Josiah, King Josiah. Sorry, my bad. King Josiah. He's the one, he's the only one who followed through this instruction and he, he read it. Now this, and this copy is to remind him that he is not the, the king, the ruler, he is the co-ruler, and God is the main ruler. That is to remind him of that fact. Now, kings usually didn't do that, but King Joash Joash is the only one. I'm getting confused. King Joash is the one. Uh, And this is what happens when he's enthroned on his throne the priest the high priest will come and crown him with the crown and it will give him the scroll so you just saw the inauguration he's supposed to make the oath and have his hand on the bible that's the official oath that he takes the office and in the the tradition of israel what they do is that he's crowned with a crown and he is given a scroll to read it you get the picture that's what is supposed to take place now a lot of times they forgot about the book and all they did was to get the crown and they just exercised their their authority and their their uh, rights now what happens when there is no king on the throne what happens to the scroll because each king is supposed to be succeeded a new scroll just for him so that he can read it. But if there is no king on the throne, this is what happens. According to Jeremiah 13:13, 13, 13, Jeremiah proclaims that we will now go into the exile in Babylon. There will not be any, any longer any king on the throne, on the Davidic throne. And um Isaiah 8:16 says, Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. So what happens is that if the king is dethroned, and there is no more king anymore in the kingdom of Israel, the scroll is sealed up, according to Isaiah 8.16. And once the scroll is sealed up, Isaiah 29.11 says, a sealed scroll, a book, could not be read. The story that we just read in, in Revelation talks about a sealed scroll with how many seals. Seven seals. Seven seals. What does that mean? A a scroll is sealed, means that who is not there? What is vacant? The throne is vacant. There is no king, no Davidic king on his throne. Now, who do you think will be worthy to open up the scroll? It will be a king from the line of David who sits on his throne, and then he'll be able to break the seal and open up the scroll and read from the testimony and teach people what the law says and rule his kingdom. That's what Revelation 5 is talking about. There was no more future king in the Davidic lineage. And at the time of exile... And after they came back, there was no more king in Israel. That's why they were waiting for somebody to come and take the place and to be the king to free Romans and become the greatest and the glorious nation in Israel. Who was that person? Who were they waiting for? They were waiting for the Messiah to come. Remember the time where Jesus went and read from Isaiah saying that um, and he, he reads from Isaiah in the synagogue, and he, he says this, and people got very upset in Luke 4:18, and, and this is what it says this is what Jesus says, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and, and release the oppressed. And today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears." people got so upset and what did they do what did they want to do they wanted to push jesus off the cliff to kill him because this what he was what he just read saying saying what that means this prophecy has been fulfilled in your ears today that means i am that king that comes and who is going to oppress who is going to release the oppressed and the gospel preached and the poor fed. And he's saying, I am that Messiah. Meaning, I'm the Messiah who is king, who will be sitting on the throne of David, who will be ruling, who will be breaking the seals, and who will be ruling the world, and ruling as the Messiah. And this is that very promise that Jesus is referring to, and the people got so upset that that's why they wanted to kill Jesus. Because they knew that Jesus is not going to fit in that description, they thought. And remember... <coughs> Acts 2, when Peter preached to, to the people, talking about David, and God blessed him, and 3,000 people, more than 3,000 people got baptized and, and became the member in one day, what was he saying? He's saying, this Jesus that you killed is the Messiah. This is the message that Peter was preaching to, talking about how Jesus will become the Messiah, the Davidic throne, He'll be sitting on there. He'll break the seal, and he'll be able to be the Messiah, the king, and we now will have the new king. That is the Messiah that converted 3,000 people on one day. And Revelation 5.1 says, In the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll. So it says, the Bible sounds like there's a scroll in the right hand of the person who is sitting on the throne, who is God. Sounds like it. But that expression in Greek says epitendexion. That expression is a very unique, it's like an idiom, very unique expression. And Bible scholars thought this is the right, right hand. Uh, that's, what it, that's what they thought. But researchers have studied, and it says it's the right hand side or right side. Um, in, a, in a Jewish culture or in Israeli culture, their throne is more like a couch. So it's not just one person sitting. Remember the story where Solomon, uh, it's found in 1 Kings 2. Solomon sits there and his mother, Bathsheba, comes in and says, uh, King, um, Adonijah wanted, he, he says, like, give me Abishek, your father, David's concubine, to me. And Solomon, the, the story of that time, that says Solomon goes and invites his mother, Bathsheba, and the Bible says, gets on the chair and have her sit on his right side. But if you actually know the context, it's not another chair, it's the long bench chair, the throne, where Solomon is sitting, and he has his mother sitting right next to him on the same throne. That's the story in 1 Kings 2. So in Revelation 5, When it says on the right, in the right hand, that actually means the the scroll is on the right side. Meaning someone is supposed to come and take the scroll and break the seal and instead sit on that throne. That's what it means. Um, Now, you might think, well, where does the Bible say about you know sitting on the same throne or doing that? But here, I'll tell you this. Romans 8 34, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So Jesus is where? The right hand of God interceding for us. So now they are sharing the same throne and he's there interceding for us. And is Jesus worthy to be the king? Is Jesus from the line of David? Yeah. From which side? From his mom's side or dad's side? Wait, his father, Joseph, is his stepfather technically. It's not his father right so then how can he be from the line of david if joseph is from the line of david but did you know that mary also was from the line of david and they were actually if you if you go through their line they actually go across in the middle so they're actually relatives so yes he is from the line of david that's why the bible says the lion of the tribe of judah and the sprout of david isaiah 11 1. So the, the, Jesus is from the line of David, and he, yes, he's worthy to sit as a king, Davidic king. And here, this is the invitation, Jesus is saying. So when Jesus sits on the throne, that means that oppression that Israelites went through, that is, that is going to finish. And now Jesus is going to sit on there as the king. And now, therefore, the freedom of Israel is coming. Do you know when this took place, Revelation 5? When Jesus was here on earth, he was the Messiah, but he was not the king, and yet, when he died on the cross, when he resurrected, when he went up to heaven to get approval from the Father, he came back, met Mary and other disciples, and then 50 days later, he ascended to heaven, Right? And the Holy Spirit came down. When he went up to heaven, that's the point of the inauguration. And as the gift, the sign of inauguration, what fell down? The Holy Spirit fell down on the Pentecost. And that is the exact picture of Revelation 5. So when Jesus took the throne, that's when his kingship began. That's when the freedom of Israel came. And Jesus is inviting us to come sit next to him. Revelation 3.21, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. It says, sit next to me? In a different chair? It says, no, I will give the right to sit with him on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Would you like to sit with Jesus on his throne? How many of you have seen the Air Force One in person? Just a few hands went up. Yeah, I, I have seen that too. How many of you have been inside of the Air Force One? I have seen the Air Force One. I have not been inside of the Air Force One. I would love to. It would be fun. <laughs> but the Bible says it will be, it'll be great honor to go and sit inside or be, be inside the, the, the office of the White House and, and all that. But the Bible says you can what sit with me on my throne because when we are saved and we go to heaven, we become kings. And we'll be sitting next to him on his throne, on his bench throne. Would you like to do that? And the Bible says... We have to overcome this world to be able to do that because the Bible says, to him who overcomes. Are you overcoming this world? Can we do that? Do we have the right to do that? We have no right to do that. Satan is very strong, but the Bible promises that if we are with Jesus, he who gives us strength, greater is he who is in him than he that is in the world. If we have Jesus in him, in us, then yes, we will overcome. Do you want to overcome? Is that your desire? I pray that you will be the overcomers of this world and you'll be able to sit on the right side of his throne. You know what? I don't want to sit on the right side of his throne. I want to sit on his lap. Would you like to do that? (laughs) It is my prayer that we all have this burning desire to sit with him on his throne. And just like children sit on the parents' lap, they have no fear. They all just run and crawl onto the daddy's lap and sit there and talk to him. Just like that, I pray that we'll have this burning desire in us to sit next to him or even sit on his lap to talk with him and also be the kings to rule the universe. I pray that we'll have the desire in our heart to sit next to him. And until that time, let us be faithful, and let us be overcomers of this world. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you that you have given us this chance to overcome this world. We cannot do it, Lord, but you are going to allow us to do this when we are with you. So Lord, we pray that you will grant us the power, the authority, the ability to walk with you to be the overcomers of this world so that we can sit next to you on your throne with you just like you are sitting with the father on his throne thank you for the invitation and thank you that you have broken the seal and open up the seal the scroll to be that king because of you the messiah we can be saved so lord please help us to be faithful help us to go and claim the, the the seat that you have prepared for us lord thank you lord this is my prayer in jesus name Amen. So, praise team, please come.